Turn with me, please, to the book of John, chapter number 4. The book of John, chapter number 4. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, as we begin the Christmas season, Is Jesus the Christ? Is Jesus the Christ? John, chapter number 4. I'll give you the verses in just a moment. John, chapter 4. I'm going to bring you a message this morning. Is Jesus the Christ? Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we praise you for the strength and health you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to honor you today. Lord, it's your word. It's your church. This is your people. It's your book. It's your message. And I pray, Father, that you'd glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in this message. We pray for all those that are sick and those that are still out braving everything despite what's going around. Thank you, Father, for our country and for this day and for this time as we enter into this Christmas season, I pray, Father, you'd help us to put Christ in the center of this season. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come to John chapter 4, we find that Jesus here is dealing with the woman at the well. Jesus Christ has made a special trip to go by Samaria to meet one woman. Aren't you glad that he'll leave the 99 and search for that one that's in need of salvation? Thank God that's who Jesus is. On the other hand, though Jesus knew exactly where he was going, this woman had no idea as she went to the well to draw water, she had no idea that she was going to meet the Son of God himself. I'm glad one day I met the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad one day when I wasn't looking for him, he was looking for me. Before the earth was ever formed, Jesus Christ had you and I in his heart and on his mind. This woman thought that she was meeting Jesus, that she was going to the well, and this meeting would be just an inadvertent time together with the water and nobody else. And so Jesus shows up and he asked her for a drink of water. And she thought it was really odd as she met this stranger at the well. And she said, wait a minute, you've got to be a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, and the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. They, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans as half-breeds and, and people that didn't meet their social status. And she said, you mean you're a Jew and you're asking me for a drink of water? And he looked at her and he said, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me, and I'd give you a drink of living water. Boy, I tell you, she said, wait a minute, you don't even have a rope to draw with. <laughs> I mean, the well is deep. Our father Abraham and Jacob, they built this well, and you don't have a, a rope to draw with. She didn't realize that he had made the water in the well. Thank God she was talking to the Messiah. And he said this, He that drinks of this water will thirst again, but he that drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst again. But it shall be a well of water springing up into eternal life. Boy, she got to hearing those words and all of a sudden her mind was turned from just a drink of physical water and she began to think about spiritual things. And she said, Lord, give me this water that I may drink and not have to come here to this well and draw this water. And he said, at that point, 
He knew she was interested in spiritual things. And he said this, go call your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, got that right. <laughs> he said, you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now, not your husband. You see, Jesus, before he could give her a drink of living water, he had to deal with what was killing her soul. And what was killing her soul was sin. And he knew that he had to deal with her sin first. And she said this, I perceive, sir, if he knew that much about her, this stranger, she said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And as quick as she had this perception in her mind of who Jesus was, she asked a real religious question. Where should I go to church? Isn't that the way religious people are? You can try to talk to them about their soul, and they'll want to talk about the church. Somebody say amen. You, you say, are you saved? No, I don't go down to that church because of this and that and the other. They want to talk about a religious experience. Let me tell you something. She said, where are we supposed to worship? Are we supposed to go back to Jerusalem and worship at the temple? Or do we stay here in Samaria and go to the mountain? I mean, which church am I supposed to go to? Let me tell you something. The last thing you ever want to do with Jesus is start a religious discussion. Amen. Because he doesn't care about religion. What he cares about is the soul. What he sees is eternity. What Jesus Christ is concerned about this morning, you hear me, is your soul and where you will spend eternity. And so he looked at John 24. Had you turned to John? Look now, look at verse number 24. So she said, where are we supposed to go to church? Jerusalem or here? He says in John 24, 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh. She had some faith in the word of God to know that the Messiah was coming, which is called the Christ. And when he is come, he will tell us all things. I want you to underline this next phrase in your Bible because this doesn't appear much. Jesus didn't do this much. And he said in verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. That is a real odd thing because Jesus didn't go around the countryside going, hey, I'm Jesus, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah, I'm he who was spoken of. No, he went around doing what God told him to do and people were supposed to figure the rest out on their own. You know something? You are who you are and you don't have to tell this community who you are. You don't have to wear a sign and say, I'm George. You know, I used to wear a little sign on my thing that said, uh, George, and I ride bus 34. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it was the long bus, if you're wondering, man. <laughs> but listen, Jesus never did that. And even when they asked him in John 10, they said, how long are you the Christ? Why, why don't you just tell us plainly? I mean, you're making us doubt. How long dost thou make us to doubt? And he said, he said, I told you and you believe not. 
the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Jesus didn't say, I'm the Christ. He didn't wear a sign that said, I'm the Christ. He didn't wear a badge. He did the works, and it was up to people to have the wisdom to know, was he the Messiah or wasn't he the Messiah? On the cross of Calvary, two thieves. One did not believe on him as the Christ. And one was concerned only about his body and the saving. And he said, if you're the Christ, uh, if you're really the Messiah, if you're really the Son of God, why don't you just come down? Just pop loose, call 10,000 angels, and we're out of here, dude. The other thief said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. One thief was concerned about his body. The other thief was concerned about eternity. And dear friend, where, I, where we live today, what I find is most people are concerned about what can I get today, what can I have today, what can I gain tomorrow. I don't give a flip about eternity. What I care about is today. And we live in a country that is headed to hell in a handbasket because we care not about the spiritual things it was very odd indeed that Jesus told this woman at the well that he was the Messiah because he always pointed to the works that he did. But after his meeting with this woman at the well, she was convinced after his words, after his prophecy, after his knowledge, after his actions, she was convinced that she had met the Messiah. And she turns and goes back into the city and begins to be a witness. Come see a man that showed me all, told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Is not this the Messiah? And the people in the city began through her testimony to turn out and to come to Jesus and to see for themselves. And the Bible said that many he abode there two more days this was a two-day revival with Jesus Christ we have three-day revivals with our local evangelists but this was a two-day with Jesus Christ and the city turned out and they believed on him not as just Jesus but as Christ that is the difference is Jesus the Christ if you continue to read, you'll find out that there was a revival that started here. The word Christ is the, a term that means the anointed one. The anointed one. The Bible in the Old Testament tells us that a Messiah is coming. A Messiah is coming. Messiah is the Old Testament word for anointed one. Christ is the New Testament Greek word for anointed one. They both mean the same thing. When the Jews said the Messiah is coming, he stepped out in the form of Jesus Christ. And if you have not believed on him as Christ, dear friend, you are not saved. He is not just Jesus. He is not just a man. He is Jesus Christ, the anointed one of God, the Messiah of the Old Testament, the Christ of the New Testament. Praise God. He is God. Amen. Thank God. And so this woman found that out, and she began to be a witness about that. You see, the Bible promised, as we begin this Christmas season, the Bible promised where he would be born. The Bible said he'd be born in Bethlehem. The Bible said that he would be called out of Egypt. Then the Bible said that he would be Jesus of Nazareth. Well, which one is he? 
You see the Old Testament scoffers and the the unbelievers and the the mockers of the day would read that and say, well, there's controversy in the Bible. He can't come from Bethlehem. He can't in Egypt and, and, and he can't come out of Nazareth at the same time. But yet he did. He was born in Bethlehem. And because they sought to kill him, he had to flee to Egypt. And when he got back from Egypt, he was raised in Nazareth. The Bible was right on all three counts. Let me say this. When you read something in the Bible today that seems to be a a contradiction, dear friend, you better study it out. This book is absolutely perfect. It is the word of the living God. The Bible promised where he would come from. The Bible in Isaiah chapter number 7 told us how he would come, for he would be born of a virgin. Angels would announce his birth. Shepherds would come and bow before him. Hey, this would be, this Messiah that was coming would be the sinless, harmless son of the living God. Thank God. The Bible not only told us where he would be born, it not only told us how he would be born, it told us what he would do when he was born. The Bible says then, Isaiah chapter 35, 2,000 years before Christ, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped and the lame shall leap as a heart and the tongue, tongue of the dumb shall sing. Yet when the Messiah came, though Jesus Christ fulfilled all of these prophecies, when he came, he was not recognized. He was not received. The prophecies were there. The Spirit was there. Everything that the people needed to believe on Jesus was present, yet somehow they wouldn't believe on him as the Christ. The Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, that is, believe that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. Let me tell you something. If he was simply Jesus, the lame would have never walked. If he was simply Jesus, the dead would have never risen. If he was simply Jesus, the disciples would have sunk in the boat. If he was just Jesus, the 5,000 would have went home hungry. If he was just Jesus, the lepers would have stayed unclean. But dear friend, he was not just Jesus. He was Jesus the Christ. And the boat stayed on top of a stormy water. And the people were fed with two loaves and five fishes and the lepers went home and the dead were raised. Dear friend, he not only was Christ then, he is Jesus Christ today. Thank God. It's one thing, listen to me carefully, to believe on him as Jesus. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble. But it's another thing to believe on him as Christ, Messiah, the Son of God, Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. His own received him not. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? Is he just a man that lived and died? Is he just a teacher? The Muslims believe he's just a teacher. Or is he the Savior? 
Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe he's just some far away God or is he in your heart? Do you believe he's in heaven or do you believe he's in this church right now? What's your, where is your faith and what do you believe? Is there a personal relationship? Does he speak to you? Oh, I'm telling you something, he speaks to me. He speaks to me. When I do wrong, he speaks to me in conviction. When I'm lonely, he speaks to me in comfort. Uh, hey, when I need a word of wisdom, he speaks to me in the most intelligible voice. Thank God for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> In Luke chapter 1, the beloved physician said this, For as many as have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things most assuredly believed among us. Luke, that well-educated, intelligent physician said, I've looked into this thing as a doctor examines a patient. And I can tell you there are some things that are most assuredly believed by us. And he says in the next chapter, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is, is, is Christ the Lord. Luke didn't say this is, this is the Savior which might be Christ. Uh, this is the Savior which we think might be. He said this is Christ the Lord. Uh, oh, Luke, thank you for believing on the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the Son of God. He was the Son of God in eternity past. He was the Son of God when the stars were flung into space at creation. He was the Son of God when Moses parted the Red Sea. He was there when Moses was there when he stood before the burning bush. He was God incarnate at Bethlehem. He had walked with angels into Sodom and Gomorrah. David had seen him with a sword outstretched at the threshold floor of Aruna. Hey friend, he was God at his incarnation and he'll be God at his coronation. Amen. Thank God. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He told them in John chapter 8 verse number 23, I am from above and ye are from beneath. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. I therefore say unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Dear friend, Friend, if you just believe on Jesus, you're headed straight to hell. But if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and you've repented of your sins and been saved, then dear friend, there's no way the flames of hell will ever touch you. Thank God. He said, I am He. He turned and asked His disciples a question. He said, whom do men say that I am? Some said he was Elijah. Some said he was John the Baptist. Some said he was Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And he said, wait a minute, boys. 
This is not a pop quiz to ask you to take a survey of what the country thinks about me or the citizens think about me. This is not a pop quiz. I'm asking you, who do you believe I am? (laughs) And that's when Peter said, thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's salvation. Amen. I tell you what, if you ever meet him as the Christ, you're meeting the Son of God. And Jesus said, Behold, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And some people got it all wrong. They say that Jesus built the church on Peter. Amen, that's the Roman Catholics. They think Peter was the first pope and yada, yada. I got news for you. The church wasn't built on Peter or the pope. And then the Baptists got it wrong too because they say that Jesus built his church on the confession of Peter. Well, Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ. That's Peter's salvation, not mine. Amen. The rock that the church was built on was not Peter. It was not his confession. The rock the church is built on is that Jesus is the Christ. Buddy, if this church is built on him as the Messiah, the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the Son of God himself that gave himself for the sins of the world, if our church is built on that, we're on the rock. Praise God. Not on Peter or his confession. Amen. Boy, I'd like to run on that, and I just don't have enough strength. Amen. Oh, my. Deuteronomy 18 says this. I've got to start winding the message down. I will raise up a prophet like you among my brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him, and it shall be that what, whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it. So the Bible says he came into his own, and his own received him not. Now let's look at why they rejected him and why people are rejecting him today, and we'll close the message. The Jewish nation, as they looked for the Messiah, had been reading the Bible in their own view. Let me caution us this morning, never read the Bible with your own view. Read it through the eye of the Holy Spirit. Let God reveal to you the scriptures, that way you can believe the whole Bible. You see, the Jews didn't believe the whole Bible. They wanted to believe, the Jews wanted to believe that the Messiah was going to be this great military leader. He was going to be the governor. And they had scriptures to back it all up. But they were going to miss the Jesus who was coming. The real Christ who was coming. They wanted a governor so bad that they overlooked the shepherd. They wanted that military king to throw off Roman occupation. Let's understand, before, as I close the message, what, where the Jews were. Beginning at Babylon, the Jews had been subjugated. Kingdom after kingdom after kingdom had ruled over the Jews. They were so sick of being ruled over by other people, they couldn't hardly stand it. Are you with me? 
I mean, they've been subjugated by every kingdom, ruled by every kingdom. They've been, as my mama used to say, they've been thrown from pillar to post. <laughs> they wanted out from under the rule of other people. And they wanted this, this Messiah to come, this charismatic leader, this military commander who would walk out with great pomp and circumstance and have a great charismatic personality and throw off the rule of Rome. They were tired of it. So that was their common image. And the Jewish nation had been dominated for thousands of years by other empires from Babylon to Rome. So when they read their Bible, they read verses like this. 2 Samuel 7. David, or Nathan told David that the Messiah would rule from the throne. Okay, so we got a person who's going to come. The Messiah is going to come in authority. Then they would read another verse of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 9. Does it not say that thou shalt be called Emmanuel and the government shall be upon his shoulders? It sure does. So they're looking for a governor. They're looking for a, an authoritative figure. They're looking for a governor. Then Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 13 that the righteous branch was coming and he would be king. So now they're looking for a king. Micah predicted in Micah chapter 5 that he shall come forth uh, out of Bethlehem who shall rule my people Israel. Now they're looking for a ruler. But they got it all wrong. They only looked at half of their Bible. You say, what's the significance of that? And what does that mean to us today? It is very significant. You know why? Because the modern day church wants half of the Bible. The modern day church only wants the good part. The modern day church is rejecting the real Son of God because they don't see Him in their, view, their own view as the Messiah. Wow. The Jews rejected Him because of a twisted biblical view. He was not David. He was not a governor like David. He was not a warlike king like David. How could this meek man possess all this power? How could he possess all this governmental control? We need our country freed from the rule of Rome. <laughs> Let me just stop right there and say Jesus did not come the first time to break Roman rule. He came the first time to break us free from sin. Just like the woman at the well, before she could have eternal life, she had to deal with our sin, her sin. And you and I, before we can have eternal life, we're going to have to deal with our sin. He didn't come the first time to rule the world. He came the first time to rule over sin. That was the priority. They rejected him because he didn't fit their biblical view. You see, in the Jewish eyes, don't miss this. In the Jewish eyes, they weren't sinners. They were, well, I'm a Jew. That's their attitude. I'm a Jew. I have the Bible. I'm a Jew. I have the temple. I have the sacrifices. I have the correct worship. I have it. I don't need forgiveness of sins. I'm not a sinner. What I need is somebody to throw off Rome and help our economy. 
Does that sound familiar? Boy, I'm hitting exactly what we need in our day. And Jesus didn't come and say, okay, it's time to throw off Rome, and it's time to help your economy, and it's time to do all these things for you personally. No, he said, it's time to come and settle the sin problem that started in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) And boy, that's exactly what he did. You see, they didn't think they needed a Savior. They needed a victorious Messiah. And you know where people are at today? They've got this same view. I'm not a sinner. I'll just go to church and, and, and I'll, I want the preacher to tell me that I can be successful and I can, be, I can have a positive attitude and I can go through life and never have problems and, and my God will be this genie and my Bible will be an Aladdin's lamp. And I Listen, wrong view. Wrong biblical view. Wrong Jesus. We have churches full of people today who are trusting the wrong Jesus for salvation. If you trust the wrong Jesus, friend, you're going to hell. I'm preaching about the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus who died on the cross. The Jesus who is coming again as a coming king. Amen. Let me ask you a question, dear friends, especially those who listen on Facebook. What good is it if he helps your finances and you go to hell? What good is it if he helps our economy and our nation is destroyed because of sin? Hey, we need the Jesus of the Bible. We need to settle this thing with our soul that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he died for the sins of the world. And listen to me carefully. If you ever get your sin problem settled under the blood of Jesus Christ, he'll become your father. He'll become your supplier. He'll become whatever you need. Hey, he'll supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Thank God that's who Jesus is. We need the right scriptural view. We need the right spiritual view. Amen. We have a bunch today that think Jesus needs to solve their personal problems with wealth and health and social issues and earthly trials. But just like the thieves on the cross, uh, he came to help us eternally first. He is the Messiah. He came to save us from sin. His first coming had to settle the important issue. So it is with us, dear friend, as I close the message. Who is your Jesus? Is your Jesus the one of the Bible? The Messiah, the Son of the living God. Or is he some fictitional character that some preacher has made up for profit? Good question. Unless I'll stand, I'm through preaching. Thank you for your attention. Lisa's going to come to the piano. We're going to have an invitation this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed.
Dear friend, this morning, if you're in this building and you don't know Christ, the Christ of the Bible, I'm not talking about the Baptist Christ, the Methodist Christ, Presbyterian. I'm not talking about the profitable Christ or the social healing Christ. I'm talking about a man who died on a cross who can forgive your sins. If you've never been to Jesus Christ, the Christ of the Bible, you're not saved. Now I want to ask you a question. Is there one here this morning, by your own admission, you say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I don't know this Jesus you're preaching about. I, I've believed on, I, yeah, Preacher, I believe on Jesus. Well, the Bible says, as I said before, the devils believe and tremble. So what's the difference, dear friend, if you're lost this morning? <coughs> Excuse me. What's the difference in your faith and the devil's faith? You know why the devil isn't saved even though he has faith? The devil knows there's a God. He doesn't even need faith. He knows so much. You know the difference? He's not surrendered to the will of God. He's not submitted and let Jesus Christ cleanse him from sin and wash him in his blood. That's the difference in your faith and the devil's faith. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Is there one among us who'd say, Preacher, with uplifting of your hand, Preacher, I've never really repented of my sins and trusted this Christ as my Savior. Anybody at all? We wait just a minute. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's being real reverent. Preacher, I've never truly come to Christ in repentance and asked Him to forgive my sins. I need to take care of that today. Would you slip up your hand? Nobody will come to you. Nobody will embarrass you. Who is Jesus to you, church? Is he just Jesus of Nazareth or is he God? Is he a man or is he the Messiah? Is he just a teacher, a religious figure, or have you placed your faith and trust in the fact that he is the Son of God? Who is Jesus? you there is something about that name as she's playing alright let's be dismissed in a word of prayer father as we close the message I'm glad father that in our church that you're preached high I'm glad, Father, that in our church, Lord, you're exalted as Christ. Lord, in our midst, you're exalted as the Messiah, as the Savior. And Father, that's the reason there's a wonderful spirit here, because when you're exalted, you, you inhabit our praise, and your presence is with us, and we praise you for that. And I pray, Father, that as we go forward during this Christmas season, as we open it up today, that, Lord, you'd let us glorify you as Christ. For this entire month, Lord, I pray somehow that our church would just experience not just Christmas, but we would experience Christ, the Messiah. And, Lord, I pray that as we experience Christ this Christmas, that we'd become so addicted to our relationship with you that it would carry over into 2023. Yes. 
I pray that our relationship with you would become so close during this Christmas season we wouldn't dare turn it loose when the new year turns its calendar. Lord, draw us closer to Christ, to you, to your bleeding side. Keep us in your will. Lord, help us to always love you and glorify you. Thank you for each one today. Bless each one as they go home and their individual homes when they get there. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good day and God bless you. <clears throat>